Namaste. Some people may wonder why should one read the live divine? Well, there are at least uh, three reasons why one should read it. One is, of course, um, just the seeking for knowledge. And the life divine contains not just the knowledge of God in essence, but the knowledge of God in details and all the particulars. So it is a comprehensive knowledge. It is not enough to know, okay, God is, he is Sachidananda and there is this world and you know, well, rest is uh, between uh, all his play. Now, this is one kind of thought and it has its own um, usefulness at a stage of evolution. But there comes a time when we want to understand uh, what is this God and this world and what is their relation. So, in life, in the life divine we see, Shobindo is revealing to us what is what we know very in our simple and I would rather say crude term as God and what this world is and how the two are connected. This is what the life divine is about and why we need to know because then from that knowledge springs up the possibility of the uh, is there any future for this world? Is there a greater destiny for man? Or are we just condemned to always remain in this state that this world that is God and by prayer and uh, meditation we can arrive at self-realization. So that makes no sense of this creation at all. So Shurabindo is building for us uh, all the possible bridges using both the intuitive, the logical and a still greater thought, the all comprehensive global thought. So this is one thing which we find in the life divine. And that's why the second reason why we should read the life divine, I mean apart from the seeking for knowledge, is merely reading the life divine uplifts the thought. This has been my experience. This has been the experience of, I am sure, all who have tried to read the life divine. It's like it carries the thought. It begins to stretch, stretch. Initially, the impression may be, oh, it's difficult. Doesn't matter. As we read it, the thought begins to climb towards greater and greater immensities. It makes our thought structure, our mind structure, all of them complex, supple to receive the divine wisdom when it comes into us. So it's for the ascension of thought we must read and to prepare the mind for the greater knowledge. And the third reason why we should read and that is connected with the heart, well, simply because one, when one loves uh, Shurbindo, then one lo- wants to know that all that he has written, said on a subject, it's like his mega letter written to all of us earthlings that look here, this is what my plan is, this is what the roadmap is, this is what the world map is, this is what the entire truth is and I am giving it to you. So there are three reasons at least for which one should engage with the life divine. So we read about mind, how mind came into existence. We read about life, how life came into existence and how these things can, can um, how avidya um, as a you know force of knowledge and avidya as a force of ignorance and its extreme result etc. So um, now we need to understand what matter is. Now when we look at matter from this side, um, of course to our cognate senses it appears as something very stable, strong or uh, rigid, um, concrete. But when we go deeper into matter from a purely scientific point of view, what do we find? We find that there is no stability. There is nothing. Everything is in flux. It's nothing but a current charges floating into space. And even we find it difficult that where is this flow and flux really stopping? What 
differentiate the atoms in my body from the atoms in the air around me and from the atoms in someone else so is it really a vast continuum so then what gives this impression of solidity this impression of stability this impression of concreteness so there we have to understand i mean if it's all energy why it takes this particular form because that's how the science looks at it it's energy why this energy takes a particular form so we are here we have to go behind the energy to a cosmic mind which is operating not an individual mind very often people say it is the mind that created matter well that won't be correct because if it is human mind then human beings have come into existence much later matter already existed but if we say that there is a cosmic mind which is operating upon this vast field of energy and giving it form and shape form and shape then it makes sense so we have now behind matter three things one is matter as we experience it through our senses the second is energy field and behind the energy field there is a cosmic mind which is operating and it is the cosmic mind which seizes matter through a kind of cosmic sense now before we understand cosmic sense we can very much understand our own sense and how our senses weave along with the uh, energy currents what we experience as um, solid objects so objects that we experience through our five senses is nothing else but a play of the senses and the energy field so basically we can say that the cosmic mind through its sense mind it grasps this energy and starts giving it shape so we have these three realities one is matter and of course the energy current which is nothing else but life so life is there in matter involved we is not evident but it is there if we go behind matter we'll see this field of energy and not just ordinary energy tremendous tremendous energy the energy within a, within an atom is so tremendous that it can blow up you know um, this wonderful neat world and behind this energy we see the operation of a cosmic mind and because this cosmic mind is operating there is the sense of division that's what we had read last time that avidyamayi maya create this sense of division within the infinite now what is behind mind that also we have seen behind mind it is the super mind with its vidyamayi maya and that is why matter though it seems as separate objects everything seems separate there is an interconnectedness of such a degree that actually i mean this is one of these those experiments of physics um two of them which uh, appears uh, two or three which appears so fascinating um if you uh, observe an electron on earth and Uh, a counter electron in in the you know in somewhere else simultaneously then if depending on the spin in here you will see a contrary spin in the other one as if the two somehow are interconnected and when we do that slit hole experiment we see that depending on which way you want to look at it it will throw itself as particle or it will throw itself as wave so there is a kind of interconnectedness between us and the most material universe including electrons protons but we don't know what is that interconnectedness now this is immense potential so the life divine opens doors to immense scientific understanding of this world and immense potential to you know even change things um, which we'll talk about as you know we go by 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 and by so it's a wonderful book even of that most profound occult knowledge of course she have been there withheld a lot of knowledge because uh, giving this knowledge is unchaste hands uh, is obviously dangerous but obviously life divine opens that doors towards that and the rest is of course yoga and yoga practice so this is what matter is so essentially going back to supermind 
Satyadananda, we can literally say, as Shrivindu says in one of his Mahavakyas, uh, in this very chapter on matter, being manifest as substance, force of being cast into form, into a figured self-representation of the secret self-consciousness, delight offering itself to its own consciousness as an object. What is this but Satyadananda? Matter is Sachidananda represented to his own mental experience as a formal basis of objective knowledge, action and delight of existence. And we can take this example of the creator of a beautiful you know, magnum opus, let's say like the Mahabharata. So Mahabharata is inside Vyas, but it is like a non-structure that we will see further when we go to uh, the second book. It is there, it's existing in an unmanifest state. Then there is the manifestation. Now what is this manifestation? It is objectivization of what is inside uh, the poet, the seer poet. It is objectivized in the form of um, a book with letters, words, sentences, hiding behind them the profoundest truths. What are those profoundest truths hidden behind the letters and the sentences? Is the same truth that Vyasa holds in his heart. But now, because it is objectivized, it is available and accessible to all. So, this world seen from this way, another, I mean, not another, but actually in, in reality, it is an objectivization of the Supreme. And by objectivizing, the many which come out of, you know, which are simultaneously within him as well as seem to be outside him, this seeming, they too can read and through this reading they can go back to the same truth which is hidden inside matter. So if you really sincerely pursue any object to the end of its road, to the final source, it will culminate in the same Satchitananda who is hidden behind everything and within everything. And through supermind, it creates the universe, limits it through the mind and eventually the extreme result of this ignorance is ultimately what we experience as matter. But yet, just as mind is derived from supermind and life from consciousness force, what is that principle in Satchidananda from which matter is born? Now that's where we have this principle which is left, which is Sat, the existence. So it is this existence as supermind takes it up and casts it itself into the mental domain and from the mind it goes further and further and becomes what we experience as matter. So, uh, it is Sat which becomes matter to our experience. Now, what is the speciality of this matter that we see in the next chapter? The knot of matter. Knot is a, it ties us. Now, see, how does it tie us? The first is because of the extreme ignorance, it, there is a complete self-forgetfulness of consciousness. In every object, there is the same supreme consciousness. That's why the mother says that you must deal with uh, material objects with care, not because you are attached to them, but because even in this apparent inconscient and mechanical material object, there is hidden the same supreme consciousness. And there are so many examples where she would, how she would handle a handkerchief, how she would handle a small little even piece of paper. Why? Now from there, these practical conclusions come. Otherwise we are taught, oh, matter has to be rejected because the ancient yogis couldn't understand ancient uh, Far back, yes, they tried to grapple with the knot of matter. But often there is a tendency to discard material existence, discard the body. Why? Because it is uh, completely antagonized to the spirit. And there is a good reason for it. Because it's easy 
when life evolves out of body we see that it's not easy for life to it struggles out of body and then it tries to complex evolution taking place through millions of years in fact a few billion years i think 65 million years dinosaurs and even much before that so life has evolved with so much struggle so much of this thing and it has eventually uh, it moves matter to an extent but yet it cannot fulfill everything the demand of life matter still stops it still restricts it so um, so much difficulty life emerges then mind emerges so mind also initially tries to you know um, move matter by thought by its power you know people often believe that by the power of thought you can change things not so easy if it was so easy everything else will become defunct because matter doesn't accept it matter everything is unconscious so in matter though the secret consciousness is there that's why it is emerging but the fact is that it is not easy to manipulate it because within matter the experience is of a total loss of consciousness and yet it emerges so that's what we see in kundalini the first step is this emergence of this energy from jartatva so it's beautifully conjured in the story of durga where her first form is shailabala shaila the mountain she is daughter of the mountain and in the mountain mountain is always the sign of um, this peak of material creation and in that matter the fire is lit up and that is the kundalini which then travels all the way home but it cannot carry matter it can modify it little by little little by little so first not is that matter in matter the extreme result of avidya takes place and that extreme result is complete self forgetfulness it becomes jad which is achetan at least to all cognate experience though it is the divine is hidden there as uh, a line of mystic experience says that kankana mein bhagwan hai but where how matter doesn't provide any easy access to that the second problem with matter is that um, apart from this it is completely subject to mechanic laws you see life is not so subject to mechanic law let's take for example you roll a ball on the floor and if you know all the coordinates the law the you know the degree of friction the air speed everything if you know you can literally predict where this ball will go that's how rockets are launched so rockets can be launched into space all the way to mars and you can calculate literally because it's bound by mechanical law now take another example of an object that flies living matter take a simple object like a fly sitting there on a stool right nearby or let's take a little more beautiful example of a lovely beautiful bird sitting there now you can't predict because life is not so subject to mechanical law yet the subjection is there as far as the body is concerned but life itself we don't know the intent it may fly this way it may not fly it may choose to fly somewhere else etc etc i mean people study all these things for years and decades but they cannot say what is the intent of a crow because that's something hidden it's in life itself and uh, study of its behavior cannot lead us to that so this is the second aspect that matter is subject to mechanical law life can be free that's why it is said the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak of course the spirit goes still further but our life may be willing for certain things but matter will run according to its own law that's why some people say uh, though it's not right bhuke bhaj pet na bhajan gopala 
that if you are hungry you cannot remember god but it's not true but the truth is that if if uh, there is uh, matter is run by so much of mechanic law that even when we escape from it yet it continues its own way the mind can meditate it can enter into even higher states of consciousness but the body may still continue with its own uh, processes so this is one part of it um, as it appears to us and then the third is that it leads it is the result of the in matter we find the extreme division because of the avidya so these are the three knots one is that there is a complete self forgetfulness of the spirit in matter even of life in matter even of mind in matter looking at a physical object can we say there is a mind but this knowledge opens doors to several kinds of manipulation of matter you know in olden time people used to do this totems and taboos now what was this? what was it you can literally charge a material object because it contains within it all the possibilities the mind can cast itself on a material object and then that material object depending upon its receptivity can hold that charge for a very long time in ancient time that was that was this knowledge that why you know um, marble is used because marble as a material object is very receptive so it absorbs spiritual vibrations similarly there are uh, things which cannot absorb spiritual vibrations rather it rejects spiritual vibrations so there are there are possibilities in matter even there is just imagine that within this dust there is the possibility of a computer chip but the mind when the mind starts playing becomes freed from the clutch of matter it explores matter and brings it out but the possibility was always there yet the second aspect that matter uh, presents before us is that it is subject to mechanic laws you have to understand that laws it doesn't it's not like a magic um, one can change the laws but that requires a different kind of consciousness one can superimpose upon matter and the kind of uh, working which we will read uh, by and by but otherwise normally it runs according to its own fixed course and the third is that it is the extreme result of uh, it imposes division so strongly upon us that even when life knows that you know uh, it has merged with another life when the mind can understand we are all one but the moment you see the physical body it is completely separate and that's why in love there is this tendency that even the physical being though at emotional level even at an intellectual level at the deeper spiritual level there may be the union but the physicality imposes this sense of extreme degree of separateness and division so this about the knot of matter and then we have this wonderful chapter the ascending series of substance so as we know matter is uh, this what we experience as gross matter but uh, we also know that this is not the only way matter is we experience it like this through our senses but is it the same way that matter is experienced um, uh, you know in the ascending scale of evolution well we know that even at a most material level it is not so even material scientists now speak of not just 3 but 4 5 6 possibly 7 states of matter so there are different ways matter itself is organized and the more we go to the subtle states of matter the whole quantum world is about that the more capable we become of manipulating matter so our experience of matter is a limited experience similarly in each world the vital world we often you know see uh, in mystic experience it's so true but even now in our everyday experience say let's say when we are seeing a dream 
we are seeing some image or object we see a you know horse galloping across the field we see a lion and in the dream it is so real so it is a form so form cannot be without substance so there is a substance involved but what is this substance it's of a very different character so in a dream if you see something which is terrible let's say a big python if you are afraid it grows very much and if you are not afraid it shrinks into its size so matter the, the matter of the vital world is very different the vital substance it obeys another kind of law that's why sometimes people have flying dreams uh, there you are no more bound to and it's such a wonderful experience feel oh i can fly i can fly because in the vital sheath one can fly so there is another kind of matter which obeys the law of the vital it responds to desire it responds to emotions it responds to fear it responds to goodwill so there is a whole vital world in which that's how the gods um, operate because you know it is said that they uh, want something they desire something and it comes why does it come because in that world they can't just do it easily with uh, physical world and its objects that was one of the experiments which mother had conducted when she was um, i think it it was in algeria during that time 1907 or something so when she was practicing this occultism of extreme kind she actually went all the way to paris and in paris she actually there was a table there on which people were sitting and she shifted that table and people couldn't uh, you know understand but that's requires an extreme degree of occult knowledge and extreme degree of power otherwise very difficult to do that because beings of the vital world cannot just easily start throwing up they can but it's not easy they have to be but there are phenomena like that in shurbindo's uh, um, you know before even the ashram was formed there was the stone throwing incident so there is a possibility of a not only a vital world with vital substance but of this vital forces they can start manipulating material objects and material um, uh you know what we call as gross matter and this knowledge can be used in various ways there is this instance where shurbindo uh, describes that how barin his brother had uh, you know fever uh, mountain fever and then a naga sanyasi came and he said give me this uh, give me a glass of water so he took a glass of water he took a knife and he crossed it twice and he chanted a mantra and he said give it to him so he was cured after giving it to him well we all have grown up seeing these things they are not superstition they are extreme occult science whose basis we have lost so you can charge water is a very good medium for charging that's why you see holy water all these you know charanamrit because water is a medium that easily can receive and transmit these vibrations so that's how these flowers mother has used flowers in blessing packets because flowers are another extremely receptive medium similarly there are gemstones which can immediately attract these energies and they can even receive spiritual energies flowers uh, gems they can even receive higher kinds of energy so there are uh, um, ascending series of substances where their matter becomes more and more subtle in the mind space matter responds to thought as is the thought so you see the being created now this is um, this can be experienced let's say in inner visions when we move around in worlds of higher mind Uh, beyond the ordinary rational mentality and if somebody let's say is in india and he sees um, uh, he is worshiping durga so durga will come to him uh, as what we are used to seeing durga because she will assume that form as is my thought 
but in let us say in in greece ancient greece uh, the same person will was uh, praying then she will take some form of palasethini who is maheshwari as well as you know she can put forward the durga aspect so he will think that um, she is uh, you know um, palasethini in india we will say maheshwari or durga this is how we will see of course they are not same but we are not conversant much with maheshwari we will say durga now another person in today's context may suddenly have a vision of virgin mary so that's because in the mental world the forms are very plastic to thought so many of these gods actually here again we see a very occult uh, manipulation of things there are occultists who are supposed to read thoughts and uh, tell your future uh, but actually it is not about telling future they can act because these thoughts have forms in the mental world actually forms you know one can see them as forms or can sense them through an intuition but based on your own secret wishes even desires have forms they can project and they speak about things which are there uh, let's say you know one is thinking about one's child there was an experience of my own father he met somebody and he said you just think about your uh, child and i'll write the future so my father thought about uh, both of us and uh, he knew the name so the moment you start writing aapka putra so and so it is very impressive because you know your name has not been told but one can there is a form and if we develop through yoga sight can be released from the physical world then we can actually see forms in the mental world similarly there are spiritual worlds higher worlds in which there are forms but as we go higher up forms become more and more subtle more and more uh, you know they respond to subjective states and as we go towards dense matter they become more and more objective more and more concrete finally in the being of sachidananda all forms the subject and object are together absorbed within in that supreme subject who is also for us the supreme object so he is an object to himself and he is the subject within so this is the whole ascending series of substance its great significance is that if there is an ascending series of substance there is a link between matter as we experience today and the supramental matter which we find in supramental world and if there is a link there is definitely through the process of emergence this body made of gross matter can change and don't we already see it that from gross matter when life begins to animate it this matter begins to fly properties which were never there which we take it for granted mountains can't fly of course faith can move mountains figuratively but the birds can fly simply because now life is modified matter why because in the plane of life matter obeys life then similarly when the mind emerges uh, matter begins capable of thought why because in the mental world matter responds to thought so the mind tries to do the same thing and as mind emerges matter gets modified and today we have a human body uh, which is mainly thought dominated body uh, in at least uh, a developed section of humanity then similarly as the spiritual consciousness emerges because the substance there is lot more plastic and it is responsive to spiritual energy we will see this human body undergoing a change it will become more and more subtle and it will respond to these spiritual vibrations and the spiritual consciousness right now it doesn't it doesn't because it is at least outside it doesn't because it's very gross but at least on one's own body one can do these experiments can spiritual energy affect one's own body yes it can because that's there is spiritual energy hidden hidden inside the body but there are conditions that's why the mother paid so much emphasis on a rational discerning 
um, physical education done with the right attitude and as a means of opening oneself to the divine. Also, we see in the in you know in the conception of tantra that as these higher layers of being begin to open up in the uh, Upanishad, we are we are told about these five. Uh, Koshas. Now, the same soul resides, it has got these five koshas, but it is trapped in the lowest basement, which is Jartatu. Then, as it develops, it enters into the vital kosh, pranic sheath. And in the pranic sheath, it begins to, uh, you know, enjoy life in a very different way. Then, as it evolves further, it enters into the mental sheath. Uh, and then, as it goes further into the causal sheath, and finally in the sheath of bliss. So, can this material life? physical body change and be transmuted well it can first because the same bliss and supramental real idea that we have already seen is hidden inside it and therefore as it emerges it will modify matter of course it can break matter or it can modify matter all evolution means a modification and then the emergence initially it will seem as if it is subject to matter and mind but as it evolves the scale will be reversed just like with evolution of life initially it seems subject to laws of matter but later on it to an extent overpowers matter and so in hatha yoga and you know in tantra yoga we see that there are certain processes through which these higher states can be awakened and they can impose themselves upon matter so it is not surprising that if we do certain kind of exercises these higher energies matter can become receptive and they can impose themselves upon the matter and for a moment suspend their laws that was the principle originally of ayurveda now it is a different thing it is treating diseases i don't know what it uh, means because original sense of ayurveda was this see ayurvedic medicines were not so much originally meant to cure diseases it knew the body can cure which is a fact that today also we know that body cures so what they were doing they were making the body subtle and receptive and energizing the system so that it can um, develop its capacities to fight against let's say an intrusion of an adverse force and that's why ayurveda and allopathy can complement each other unless allopathic medicine is so strong that it completely stuns the body and the body has no chance of really uh, awakening to its own deeper possibilities that also happens but that is a different area altogether but suffice it to know that there are possibilities of the body first because all the states of consciousness Uh, life mind super mind bliss there such a dhanand is hidden inside matter and second is because there this there is a link between this gross matter and the supramental matter and there is a whole staircase of matter the bhumi itself and because there is this matter can become more and more subtle uh because it has become more and more dense through a process it can become more and more subtle in fact we see the evidence it is becoming more and more subtle from the mountain to a thinking and feeling creature called man and so to an extent the laws begin to change so this ascending series of substance is a chapter which is so relevant because it logically explains about the future possibility the future evolution and um, to an extent shows us the process also then we have the sevenfold cord of being which basically we have posited these seven principles of existence uh, in fact there are eight in a way the uh, first four are the higher principle the parard the higher hemisphere which is sat chit ananda and supermind and there are three which have now derived from that that also we have seen so we have mind from the supermind life from conscious force and um, 
matter from sat and there is of course the eighth prince eighth principle the soul which is from the anandamay kosha so we have four above and four below and we can see the corresponding things sat matter consciousness force life super mind mind bliss the psychic being so this is the uh, seven or eight fold vedic rishis speak about nine or 10 fold cord but essentially seven or eight fold the way we want to put it uh, which is there uh, which has woven the warp and woof of creation so it's a cord it's like you know how do you weave things so you use a cord and with that you weave things it's now the interesting part here is that each of them because it is ultimately sachidanand who is everywhere therefore each principle is available everywhere so even in sachidananda there is matter in some form or the other as a seed and again in matter there is sachidananda in matter there is life mind and all the higher principle in sachidanand there is uh, sachit ananda super mind mind life matter so it is very fascinating that's why the vedic rishi spoke of seven times seven so this is because in each principle the other is involved or held back so what is the difference between creations which are in the higher hemisphere and the lower hemisphere in the higher creations everything is there but depending upon what you put forward so there is a conscious there is no involution and evolution so in supramental world you put forward one aspect and therefore there are beings which are created now here they get completely involved that means they forget themselves they completely as if lost and then they emerge through a complex process of evolution this is the big basic difference of course it may be asked then why not we simply had a world where <laughs> just things were put forward well the problem with that is that you know it will be so much still aware of the oneness that you cannot really have the sense of the many now of course this is far more challenging far more difficult perilous dangerous but in the end far more delightful so um, well god wanted a great adventure and we also wanted the greatest of adventures so we did the bungee jumping so let's not uh, talk about hope it would have been like that surely there was a greater possibility that's why this has taken place then comes this interesting chapter 28 super mind mind and the over mind maya so we we have been told about super mind and uh, we know about mind which is the result of super mind apprehending consciousness of the super mind going towards creation and then it plunges completely gets involved into the mind and then we have the human mind which has it lives by ignorance and division vidyamayi becomes avidyamayi but is it also a sudden change or is there a transition so shubindu speaks about a transition and that transitional layer is the over mind and the ranges of consciousness from over mind to mind now this is again important because very often people believe that spiritual and supramental are the same thing they are not what is now known as spiritual experience is something which is beyond the human mind and it is beyond there are beyond the human mind ranges where uh one can start experiencing things and life in a very different way even at the level of the over mind because there is both vidyamayi and avidyamayi simultaneously operating one gets the sense of oneness and as if it is god but uh, it is one of those uh, unique uh, i mean vedic rishis glimpse about it but they experience over mind as a uh, as a kind of lid the golden lid but this lid of over mind which divides the 
parar the higher hemisphere and the lower hemisphere is made up of a kind of translucent so there is on the other side it directly receives the super mind so there is complete vidyamay mayat it's the higher range of the over mind in its utmost layer it is receiving directly it is adjacent to the super mind it is the rim shubhendra describes this in you know uh, savitri book 2 uh, canto 15 it's that ridge so there if one stands one experiences the knowledge the knower and the known as one but one cannot understand the significance of this world there because you know one is experiencing the supramental uh, uh, cognition to an extent but as reflected in the higher layers of the over mind so one experiences the state of oneness uh, if one looks at the over mind from the other side it becomes avidyamayi and why this happens is because um, over mind like receives the entire cascade let's say a sea it receives or a entire light of the sun directly in its mass it receives what does it do it channelizes them into different rays a thousand million rays so that's why we have this sahasrar so we have the thousand million rays in which you know it is it distributes itself so what happens when it distributes because it is vidyamayi from that the command comes each ray can organize a universe so every aspect of the divine has the power to organize a whole universe so we have these gods each with his own lok but the moment you organize a universe in its your own right then there is a tendency over a period of time as it goes further and further for it to be cut off from the one and it is this dislocation from the one which leads to this extreme fall with avidya ignorance inconscient as the consequence so we'll just read a little bit about it's very interesting to read um these chapters but i'll just read a little bit so the whole old this uh, on the ascending series of substance the old hatyogins and tantrics of india had long ago in reduced this matter of the higher human life and body to a science they had discovered six nervous centers of life in the dense body corresponding to six centers of life and mind faculty in the subtle so they are the chakras and they had found out subtle physical exercises by which these centers now closed could be opened up the higher psychical life proper to our subtle existence entered into by man and even the physical and vital obstructions to the experience of the ideal and spiritual being could be destroyed in shubhendra yoga also this happens but it happens from above downwards the kundalini the centers open it is significant that one prominent result claimed by the hatha yogins for their practices of course this is hatha yoga in its original sense Uh, with all these bandhas and all where the centers open it's not like the normal 20 minutes um, quick to do asanas <laughs> they are good for health but we should not confuse that with hatha yoga hatha yoga science people who practice it practice for hours i mean it's like it's a full time occupation and it includes included the uh, strictest practices of pranayam but at the end with all this ultimately you gain the result of mastery over the body to an extent it doesn't lead us eventually to the highest spiritual experience uh, and for their practices and verified in many respects was a control of the physical life force which liberated them from some of the ordinary habits or so called laws 
taught by physical science to be inseparable from life in the body. I mean, Hatyogins, genuine Hatyogins, I have seen at least one of them. Uh, he could eat just anything and absorb energy. It's so crude if you look at it like that. But what are the laws of the body? Could eat, a, I've seen eat a piece of wood, not wood, chewable wood. Uh, and just, he could just eat it like you eat food. Not a very pleasant sight to see. But, you know, because they can alter the laws. Uh, they can remain even, I've seen at least in mentally sick patients who are occupied with other kinds of energies. I have seen people not eating, not drinking, five days, seven days, catatonic states, but so much energy. If you try to restrain them, they can fight a four or five people simultaneously or they go into stupor. So there are ways and means by which this physical law is overridden by other forces. That of course is not a spiritual force, but often forces from the dark worlds. But this idea that matter, mechanical laws are all fixed, this is not true. So, it's not true even in experience. Behind all these terms of ancient psychophysical science lies the one great fact and law of our being that whatever be its temporary poise of form, consciousness, power in this material evolution, there must be behind it and there is a greater, a truer existence of which this is only the extreme external result and physically sensible aspect. That's why in physical illnesses we can pray to God. It's not just an absurd miracle. There is a process, there is a chain, there is a link. It looks like a miracle because we don't understand that God is hidden in matter. He can push it, our extreme earth prarthana can completely override all the laws temporarily and change things in that split moment and when it when when divine intervenes it changes not just the physical body but everything else that is interconnected with it because that's how the law operates he's he operates in oneness not like our medical science which will try to pick up a molecule try to cure one part of the body the drugs will have other side effects and then you know um, even when the man recovers he becomes a menace to the world around him so this uh, intervention which shubhendra beautifully describes in savitri uh, in book 1 canto 2 the last page uh, that you know all here seems nature's masked machinery, a mechanical servitude to habits aping law. And it ends with uh, these wonderful lines that nature's instrument crowns himself her king. Right now it looks like our mind, life, even our spiritual life is a, is a bond slave of matter. But when it emerges fully, then what happens? Nature's instrument crowns himself her king, a godhead stands behind the brute machine. And that's why this uh, Mahavakya, again in the same page, where he says a prayer, a master act, a king idea, can link man's strength to transcendent force. Then miracle becomes a common rule. So what happens when we pray, when we suddenly do this Arth Prarthana? Now it goes directly from the psychic station. And from there it connects us to that one source, which is the source of all the chains interconnected. And if you touch that hub and that hub responds, everything that is interconnected, all the karmic laws, all the material laws, all the mental thought forms, uh, um, feelings, everything is taken care of in that split moment and things can change. I mean, all of us, I'm sure, have experienced, have experienced this kind of intervention in life which changes everything. So this is how there is a process to it. It's not just an absurd miracle. But we must understand the process. Because when we understand the process, then it facilitates it. 
इफ यू आर ऑल द टाइम डाउटिंग होगा नहीं होगा मे बी मे नॉट बी आर ए हाउ कैन दिस एब्जर्व दिस सुपरस्टिशन देन वी एक्चुअली आर क्रिएटिंग एन ऑब्स्टिकल टू द वर्किंग ऑफ दिस फोर्ड देर इज अ लॉजिक लॉजिक ऑफ द इन्फिनिट दैट इट कैन बिहाइंड एवरी फाइनाइट देर इज द इन्फिनिट एंड इन्फिनिट मीन्स एवरी पॉसिबल पॉसिबिलिटी एंड इवन वॉट सीम्स इम्पॉसिबल इज पॉसिबल इन द इन्फिनिट and the logic of the infinite is that yes it operates through a set of laws but it can override the laws because it's it's a free law operation uh, not that it would do it otherwise there would be a chaos it act through the vidyamayi maya so that there is no chaos it doesn't completely change the disrupt the chain but it is possible for the infinite to act in freedom and completely override the laws of material universe so this is about the material universe which seems so bound and then what happens at the overmind what what is overmind kind of thought so shivito describe we are aware of a sea like downpour of masses of a spontaneous knowledge which assumes the nature of thought but has a different character from the process of thought to which we are accustomed so process of thought is uh, read study scholarly understanding logical link remember but this is like a sea which is pouring down this is the overmind cognition and it carries within it all the links the connections the logic everything else is together it's not a thought out process that's why the kin upanishad says avigyatam vijanata avigyatam vijanata he who uh, knows it knows it not and who has he who has not the thought of it knows it because it says spontaneous knowledge which uh, comes from above has a different character for there is nothing here of seeking i want to know i want to know nothing no trace of mental construction not like something fixed no labor of speculation or difficult discovery it is an automatic and spontaneous knowledge from a higher mind that seems to be in possession of truth and not in search of hidden and withheld realities and it can include in its scope the entire universe it's not like confined okay i must only uh, this is my chapter it contains everything that is connected with it from shakespeare to movie to uh, this and that and everything and that's what we see in shurbindo's writings and the mother's writings uh, conversations that it it connects with everything which is interconnected one observes that the thought is much more capable than the mind of including at once a mass of knowledge in a single view it has a cosmic character not the stamp of an individual thinking so these are the kinds of shubhendra uh, describe these um, several layers at a higher mind he says if super mind is like sun then higher mind is like a daylight steady daylight <laughs> it looks at the symbols behind things uh, and illumined mind are like flashes which are uh, coming up and um, the intuitive mind is like electrical lightnings which suddenly illumine with a great uh, clarity a particular you know zone of space and time and of course the our mind looks at large spaces of time and it can look at a whole kalpa and see the whole wave that is carrying the march of uh, you know evolution or it can look at one idea and see how many ways it expresses itself see because we don't understand it that's why we say democracy is a modern european invention no excuse me if you go back you'll see even in the time of rama when rama is a king there are the seeds of democracy the seeds of socialism are in vedanta because we we are not then tied to a term the way it is defined in oxford dictionary but we understand its essence and in the overmind we will see that each idea 
is not opposed to other ideas but it is synthesized and completes it and uh, you know each idea has its own validity why because over mind releases each idea into this uh, uh, you know it's described like the phalanx of the sun into this universe to build its own empire but here in the ignorance they fight so here we have this fight between democracy and dictatorship now let's take one example is god a democrat or a dictator so at one level it looks are he has left us all to our own freedom of choices he is a, such a democrat i wish he was not a democrat but mind you even when he has left all to their so called free choices there is no real free choice because he is all the time pushing us towards the predestined goal so he is at once a dictator and democrat is he communist or capitalist so again we see that it is both he does create a hierarchy he does reward you with inner wealth plenitude based on your effort but at the same time because of the law of yagna everybody gets their own share in this creation but in the realm of mind we will see that people are right fighting left right and center <laughs> but in the god all these are united even at the over mind one can experience it this union and um, so if we regard the powers of the reality as so many godheads we can say that the over mind releases a million godheads into action each empowered to create its own world each world capable of relation communication and interplay with the others so over mind is the principle of cosmic truth to the over mind and this is the last uh, passage probably we'll read um of course he says what are the ways to enter he says one is to go within all this he will elaborate further one is to go within step back from the outer surface mind which is all the time engaged with sensory world and sensory phenomena or trapped in the zone of life currents and when it enters it enters a subliminal mind from there it can go up and it can go up and even enter into a state of vast impersonality so these are the two approaches one is going within and second is ascension up but uh, that he will describe in great detail but right now just to understand the over mind to the over mind for example all religions would be true as developments of the one eternal religion that's why in india we had sanatan dharma all philosophies would be valid each in its own field as a statement of its own universe view from its own angle so the materialist is right from his own little view and his own angle you can't you don't need to contradict it but it is one view of seeing things in the supramental cognition or even in the higher over mind cognition when it touches that divine truth truth sight truth feeling truth uh, vision uh, truth hearing truth sensing there we will see that wonderful union of the fingers phalanx at the base all political theories with their practice would be the legitimate working out of an idea force with its right to application and practical development in the play of the energies of nature in our separative consciousness imperfectly visited by glimpses of catholicity and universality these things exist as opposites each claims to be the truth and taxes the others with error and falsehood each feels impelled to refute or destroy the others in order that itself alone may be the truth and live at best each must claim to be superior amidst all others only as inferior truth expressions and over mental intelligence would refuse to entertain this conception or this drift off to exclusiveness for a moment so now when we understand it we see also and with that we can close and take up question we understand what is the real what is the 
perfect solution to all these things which are the product of division and ignorance now we understand why the seer said the right remedy for man is to step out of ignorance and ascend um, and complete his spiritual evolution if we don't complete it if we don't ascend beyond the mind there will be fights how much ever we may say the mind can accommodate the mind can associate the mind can accept for a moment the mind can keep it bay but because it experiences life in, in a state of ignorance which means extreme divisiveness and that too on a material basis the worst kind of experience of life is on a materialistic basis racism um, black and white and all this because you are completely centered around the body so this is how the mind continues to experience and so while there is a greater thought which tries to impose itself upon the mind by saying look here we are all one we should grow towards oneness mind cannot apply it if it applies it it applies it most foolishly because it doesn't understand this you know people talk about vasudev kutumbam now vasudev kutumbam is born from this level the rishi has gone through to that level and has understood the right place of each things unless you understand the right place of everything there will be only clash and chaos so the solution lies in continuing man's spiritual evolution let's not stop with the rational mind let's go further reclaim our own greater domains higher mind illumined mind intuitive mind over mind and now also we have um, thanks to the intense tapasya of shobinder and the mother and their grace and love the possibility of a supramental life which means a divine life in a divine body a life of unity within playing with the many outside namaste so if there is how do you reconcile if you find say distortions of truth and falsehood let's say there's a law well written law but then you find people trying to outsmart trying to yeah you know by their cunningness you know, trying to take advantage of that trying to fool other uh, you know groups of people and what should be how do we reconcile this and what should be the duty of uh, a person who can make it yes so from the overmind point of view i can tell you that um, and then the divine the way he he would experience it for the human mind it's an impossible situation of course very difficult situation to be in but from the overmind of view, uh, view because it is still entering into the time domain so each idea has its valid place in space and time so there are truths which had their validity at a at a particular point there are of course eternal truths which are from the vidyamaya maya and they will outlast everything and there are truths and ideas which are given a term and a time having um, lived that because of the evolutionary impulsion that must pass away it is the law of evolution on earth and uh, let's take the example there is a beautiful poem of shirbindu which, which is about uh you know the rakshasa where he speaks about ravana so why ravana was allowed to rule you know for so long because ravana had to um, the animal in man had to be replaced by the rakshasa and then the rakshasa by the asura this is a evolutionary gradation but the asura must fall now he must fall to the human so that's why uh, he has taken this um, great boon from brahma that you know uh, may i fall only to 
the man so because of this reason there is a time when humanity goes through a certain primitive state or very early state falsehood let's say the state of falsehood extreme division and it you know and therefore it has uh, uh, developed certain ways of li- living but its time gets over beyond a point of time now what is the time that the time has come for an idea is to to end is because a contrary impulse begins to seize mankind let's say for example from an individual yoga point of view there is a time when we all believe uh, what's there you know okay we we enjoy food not that we all believe in the way humanity lives most of the time but let's say that uh, we are fine with certain activities as natural and normal but a time come when you feel this normal and natural must change why because now the impulse of evolution is taking over so same thing happens here that in the collective um, uh, awakening or the evolution there is a time and term set for everything and when the, a, an idea which was valid in a space context and time begins to continue that's where you know the ravana becomes a menace to the world and because it becomes a menace to the world the higher evolutionary impulse will wipe it out that's what rama represents and there will be instruments created to remove it because its time is over now if one feels impelled to be the instrument that's a different thing altogether but it is bound destined to go because the spirit of time will not allow it that's what we see in uh, in the gita the great warriors who had their own time term enjoyed bhishma and you know uh, drona and many others when the time passed away new uh, you know age had to come they had to fall so this is the larger movement now from an individual point of view one should not be carried away by these appearances of uh, pretensions and all these things the beauty of this uh, living the spiritual life is one can see behind the appearance to the secret truth so what one sees is a secret truth which is inside and the play of forces which are trying to falsify it falsify it so what one should do is to keep that grain of truth but at the same time stubbornly and sternly reject falsehood at the same time whatever is possible to be changed into its higher truth that working must go on to change it into a higher working of truth so this is how a spiritual consciousness which is rooted inside the divine operate because that is how the divine is operating in the world with everybody he forms a relation and in that relation he brings out that hidden truth now that is the important element in every human being there is a hidden truth and we must try to bring it out that's what we are reading about our mind there is a truth in democracy there is a truth in dictatorship but they all have their term and time for instance the truth of democracy the time for democracy the way it is practiced is over i mean shobhinder the mother speak about it yet last 300 400 years or maybe even before that if you look at the greek uh, uh, ideas it seized europe and apparently seized but we know how it was practiced is quite contrary to it but eventually now its time is passing away and a greater spirit what you know like a spiritual or a vedantic communism that is going to take hold of the race so there is a time when things have their place and utility the spiritual consciousness will see all these things together and while it will insist on holding on to the truth in everything it will equally uh you know refuse to accept the encrustations the covers of falsehood that surround things so this is how one has to deal with and certainly one should not be fooled by appearances that the worst thing to happen you know people who put up oh, 
um we are you know your friends we are lovely people please give us a place in your house and you call them in the house and they say you are a tenant you go away <laughs> when you have gone out they have locked the door that should not be that's uh, you know because of the ignorance of the mind we think like that we are carried away by appearances the first thing that spiritual life teaches us is don't be carried away by appearances so even in an enemy the spiritual consciousness will be able to see the truth behind him at the same time even in a friend the spiritual consciousness will be able to see where this falsehood is operating and eventually it will see the working of the one divine in many fold ways in this creation after that should one participate and try to change the falsehood or or withdraw and try to uh, concentrate on his own perfection because that's not well uh, wonderful question it will depend upon the deep inner urge within so there are people in whom the urge is to change it and they are born for that it's the swabhava and sudharma let's say the kshatriya type he wants to change things and wants to battle he must follow this urge even if his uh, knowledge of the whole thing is very imperfect still through this he will grow because this is given to him as a means of growth on the other hand there are those whose urge is like the buddha to you know go beyond all manifestation they should follow that so that question is um, of course the the better thing is that ultimately one has the urge to change but change must be on a surer basis so if we want to bring in a change and that's inevitable and there will be instruments of change we must ascend and then create the change i mean it should not be standing at the same level debating and discussing and trying to change because then we are at the same level so both things they don't um, cancel each other but complement each other change by ascending and by ascension we will have a greater view a better view of the whole thing at the same time we will exercise a greater power so if we feel the urge to change yes we should participate but at the same time we should not forget that if i remain at the same level of you know that falsehood though you know in me it may have a different uh, point of uh, you know where it uh, manifest so then i cannot really bring any authentic change so i must simultaneously ascend in consciousness at the same time as i ascend a greater and uh, much more powerful spiritual wisdom and spiritual action will follow wonderful answer thank you very much yeah and just one last question how can one really ascertain and be sure of one's shodharma whether to really participate and to how far to go because yes. there are extreme forces and yes. Uh, yes you know that can crush you know that it's happening yes yes it's happening good people are 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 being crushed so that yes is, yes yes so how to identify one's own shadharma exactly and then how far to go yes so of course the perfect answer of this is in the gita uh, which uh, we have been taking as a series but the answer lies in the depths of the heart the mind will never be able to give the correct answer unless we have arisen to the intuitive um, plane where the wisdom is the, there is a certitude of the action and the knowledge but that is a much more uh, you know difficult process but deep inside the heart go by that and offer it to the divine because at the level of the mind there will be always an argument for or against that's how the mind operate that's the you know entire field of ignorance with all the collective suggestions around but deep inside the heart one will know the sudharma if one uh, gets rid of the surface preferences and viewpoints and opinions and one must follow that deep impulse doesn't matter what that is because sudharmo nidhanam shreya par dharmo bhayava in somebody else the impulse may be something else so deep inside the heart the answer lies 
and regardless of what the people may say world may say one should follow it it's much but offering it to god so that <laughs> his knowledge is there always supporting us from within and behind it is always there but we should form a conscious connection remember and offer and fight the great battle of life that the injunction of krishna thank you sir grateful sir madhavi prasad ji is asking that you stated that extreme forms of energy are, are difficult to extract from spiritual force but that is uh, but that it can be derived from some dark world what exactly is this dark world are you referring to a miracle uh no no i was referring in relation to some patients like catatonic schizophrenia i'll give you an example uh even from the spiritual force we can have extreme form there are people who in this state of exalted spiritual consciousness can completely forget food and sleep and rest and everything i mean there are several examples of that i mean one common example which all of us can see is that when we are engaged in let's say studying a book like the gita or the life divine or savitri we can forget everything it can actually even the appetite can be completely abolished sleep can be abolished because you are so involved in it so this is one common example so spiritual consciousness can also affect the body uh, but because the body human body is emerging from the inconscient now i am directly addressing that question that how the dark forces can the adverse and the hostile forces it's the fortress because it is the extreme result of avidya so you see that is the place where all these asuras and rakshasas are hiding it's their fortress that's why the moment you try to change the body it begins to crack but you will see sometimes a great paradox i used to wonder when i used to see that you know this idea of karmic law a good good person you know is taken care of and a bad person i know i know people who are um, you know any unspeakable things not only in terms of outer behavior and action that is nothing even in their action on society but they live long you see there are forces which completely support this kind of they are uh i mean the asura also takes care of his fellows <laughs> because he wants them his instrument but eventually ultimately that is not the path man should take so you see that's what we see in these stories of uh, hiranyakashipu and prahlad for example hiranyakashipu has taken the boons entire lower world he commands so for every higher world there is a shadow cast in the lower world which becomes a lower world it doesn't have an independent reality in itself but it is a shadow so that's why only the super mind which doesn't cast a shadow can annihilate them but they are there to provide resistance to the human advance but this resistance actually ends up perfecting us more and more that's why it's allowed uh but they are there i mean ravana kansa look at their the way um, ravana used to kill many of these people who were uh, doing apparently tapasya he would enslave them now why could he do it because all is even when he is collapsing there is a time when all his people have died that's a classic story of the dark world where does he go to draw his energy from ahiravan now who is ahiravan ahiravan is his own nowhere you will hear ki who is ahiravan but ahiravan is apparently his brother and if you look at the word ahi python and he is in the underworld so he entire underworld and its energies it draws and it's so powerful that even rama and lakshmana for a moment you know they are besieged by that state of extreme unconsciousness because they are doing a human leela but that's the time we have the rescue mission of hanuman hanuman also experiences his own chaya in that underworld in the form of makardhwaj so all these stories that for every step you have to struggle with its shadow which is behind 
uh, in spiritual language it's used the word shadow is used some psychologists have also used the word this shadow will retard the advance but its purpose is to perfect eventually because we can't leave anything undone and just move on so eventually that's its purpose so there are beings who are completely possessed by it hitler used to get uh, intuitions intuitions in the sense these dark forces a kind of uh, half intuitions about where to attack when to attack and used to win so people believed him blindly that he is driven by god he used to believe that it is god who comes and tells him but that's it was the asura who was revealing to him but that's where we know that you know how the divine mother intervened that's a beautiful chapter there is a book uh, the god of hitler by george van brekem and how the divine mother intervened and she commanded hitler where assuming that beings form that go and attack russia and that's where he met his nemesis so these are facts of the dark the dark world underworlds do exist and we'll read about them when we come to that chapter in the uh, life divine order of the world there is a whole chapter dedicated to that and there are beings possessed by them just as there are beings possessed by the madbhavam madgata <laughs> brahmabhut possessed by the higher consciousness like chaitanya there are beings who are possessed by the dark underworlds like hitler and uh, mussolini and stalin I don't want to take modern modern examples of those. Yes, please, please go yeah, ahead. Yeah, there is uh, there is one thing I wanted to ask you. You mentioned about the divine uh, life in a divine body, so that would obviously include a divine mind and a divine vital, right? Yes, yeah, uh, yes. And there is a second small question. You were uh, there was a question earlier by Abhijit Ji in which he talked about. um or uh, or you talked about you know when uh, this uh, you talked about when we have uh, some things which we have been following for a very long time and then we realize that you know these ideas or this way of being is something and so uh, that the evolution uh, uh, i'm talking at an individual level yes, yes evolution uh, i mean this evolution that is there does it cause at the individual level a whole lot of uh how would i say a tussle or a like, oh yes oh yes like every friend, step for you just ask you a question uh you know about food there are cravings for food i mean this is all that we have instead of just eating because we are hungry or because of our body needs it so when you when when you come to a idea that okay you should eat as much as your body needs and you want to go on that path hmm. the the um the, uh, what is the kind of th- i mean how do you overcome and what are the kinds because the material <laughs> the hold of the material is so strong yeah very strong very so how do, so these are the two things if you could just uh... so physical consciousness that's why it is so dense and the habits formed in the body are far more difficult to uproot then simply you know vital cravings but habits once they get settled in the body are very very difficult because they are habits but always we must understand my way i can tell you the secret truth is once some people try to impose with higher levels like the mental discipline mental strength but it can work but it is never a perfect thing because mental discipline like some ascetics practice the moment you are exposed to the world of food again Uh, you know one is back into square one so uh, better way is always to keep on um, there are two things one can do keep straining the will a little by little so for instance about food uh, let's take that concrete example so from gluttony i am taking an extreme example one goes on to uh, let's say 
uh, I'm, I'll take an example of eating sweets. Uh, so you can reduce the matra of sweets. Then you can cut down to little bit of sweet uh, if you want to. And then, you know, one can get on to sweets which are a little more um, less problematic. This way the habits become weak. So this is the process. And of course, for as always, to keep referring to the divine grace, to pray. That's the method I follow. Pray. So it will take long time. It is through application of sanyama. So what we do is we try to break it by nigraha. It doesn't work. Because once a tendency has set itself, it goes itself through a process of evolution. Uh, there is a very beautiful article of Shirobindo essay in Essays uh, Divine and Human on the process of evolution. Any tendency which has entered into matter, it has to go through a course, a cycle. So if you try nigra, it will bounce back. Violently it will bounce back. So you know, people who say from tomorrow I am not going to take sweets. Now it may work. Uh, in a rare individual but in most often or not it's uh, it will be like that man who said every day i give up sweets see it's so easy to give it up now no, that's not the way so cut it down cut it down now there is this effort involved effort of the will then one day the divine grace acts and removes it from a system depending on but that effort and the grace both must go together that's how it is little little exercise the will yeah, and about the divine life on uh, in a divine body, and so the divine mind and the divine vital, the divinization of the mind and the vital that would obviously accompany this, right? Yes, yes. So divine mind is easier to gain. That is, you know, the easiest of because mind can withdraw itself from the mind is given that capacity and possibility. Life involved in matter more difficult, but still it is possible to divinize the heart and emotions and sublimate the feelings and give the touch of the divine love inside the heart, etc. It's possible. But when it comes to life in its lower ranges, where it is subject to things like uh, ambition, sex, fear, it's even more difficult. And then finally, when it comes to body, where this is the extreme result of abhidya, it's the most difficult. But first, it, the, the mind itself must be divinized, quite so. And then the life parts, at least the higher life um, and um, the mind, it should be divinized. And then it becomes much easier because you have the army of the wonderful forces, the, the godheads. Then there is the god, uh, Devasur Sangram within the body. But eventually, with the help of the one, with the gods, it it, it is defeated. They are pushed back into their citadels. The strongest holds become weaker and weaker until one day the chain is broken. Yes. It's a journey, a wonderful journey with the divine as our um, friend, companion, guide, initiator, conductor of the journey. And in critical moments, he lifts us up in the lap. So that's why we have the divine mother because it's a difficult journey. Yes. Thank you so much, sir, for clarifying our doubts. Now we have reached uh, the end of the, today's discussion and we will observe a minute of silence and then we can continue.